Okay, we're recording. Do you have an opening? Because I, because I do actually, I do. I'm a person that prepares things. Come on. I've given you two weeks to prepare. I got promoted at work. You did. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. I think I've told you this. But yeah, my work schedule has gone up, and I still have school, and so. Yeah, if I sound tired, it's because I am tired. Well, that's fair. That's fair. You know, though, I mean, we could let the cannons wake you up. You know, those cannons, they are loud, the cannon cannon. Yeah, but, you know, that's not even the cannon I'm talking about right now. And it's more, it's not really a cannon. It's more of a bombshell that you dropped on me at about 9.04 this morning. <laughs> yes. You want to tell the audience what's coming? The people behind the history of the Seattle Mariners... A five-part docuseries from Secret Base, John Boyce, and Alex Robenstein, amongst others, are releasing a seven-part docuseries on the history of the Atlanta Falcons. I think to quote the Simpsons character Barney, Just took it to my veins! <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about this. That first one won me, won me so much uh, goodwill that I'm like, yeah, this just has to work. Yeah, I mean, if you watch that trailer, you're all, it's, I'm like, I'm hooked. I'm in, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What more do you need from me? I mean, honestly, it's the second most intriguing part two that I now want to see after something I just finished. Ooh. It might be a hinty hint to the best of the okay. week, but we'll, we'll have to That's see when cool. we go into the music. But yeah, guys, uh, be prepared sometime in January to hear the words, uh, at number one, once again, Dork Towns, because <laughs> there's a I chance. I it might be, you know. Yeah, this could be this could be a real like miss. This could be a real Carlitos uh Carlitos way rise to power where you're like, boy, they really just missed on that second one. I I doubt it, but I what I will say is I am very excited. I'm as Agreed. excited I am for this one as I was for the other one. Yeah, I'm actually a little I'm probably even more pumped because the first one I was like, well, I'm I'm sure this will be fine, and then now I'm like, mm, okay, I like the format. I explained it to her. I explained it to her today. I was like, so it's a documentary series on the Seattle Mariners. She's like, pass. And I was like, no, no, there's no footage. They do it on a graph. She's like, pass. And I was like, no, no, you don't get it. It's all just them giving <laughs> statistics. And she's like, pass. And I'm like, well, I guess I guess that's I guess that's pretty much what we're looking at. Yes. She, she's she's giving me a thumbs down from the couch. She's like, no, I, I shan't be participating in the six hour Listen. Atlanta Falcons. Listen, I understand. I understand. I understand. But hear me out. It's very good. Yeah, I know. That's that's been my pitch the whole time. <laughs> it it like it it sounds like it shouldn't work. And for for most cases, you know, for all kinds of purpose for most people, it probably won't. But it's so good. It is legitimately one of the most cinematic movies I've like ever watched. It's incredible. It that is kind of its real charm, is you're like, damn, this is well made for a movie that's all about reading off statistics and kind of just giving you play-by-play -play of like years in like sports yeah just like reading off statistics and just being like this is what this person did and this is why this was important and like yeah it like comes to a catharsis there's i don't know it's it's just a good it's just a good ass movie end of your
welcome everybody to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the futuristic time of 1994 to the underworld city of Atlantis. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, buddy? Doing a lot better after watching both of these movies. You know, I at first was like kind of like put off by them, and then like halfway through each of them was I was like, "Oh, Canon, you've done it again." Oh, uh, yes, son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess before we get to those, we should talk about the most captivating thing we've seen this week. And I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna ask you: Do you want a pretty positive, gonna be on my best of the year list? Do you want a probably not going to make it but it's going to be just outside looking or do you want definitely going to see a sequel to something next week let's go with definitely gonna get a sequel to something next week well in that case about 10 minutes ago we were just making dinner at this lady's house and i was signing into the hulu and about 10 minutes ago i just finished escape room Ooh, i really enjoyed escape room what a picture. <laughs> it's it's kind of amazing how easy that movie is. Like, and you're just sitting there and you're like, fuck, I could have come up with that. The premise is so simple. Yeah, it's 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 a genius premise, million dollar premise. Could easily stumble and fuck this up, but it really works. Yeah, it's a movie that really heavily relies on set design. And man, they nail the set design in that movie. It's just also just like every room... Had oh, like yeah. a fun little twist about it. What is 2019? Yeah, two years ago. I must have seen that here in Portland because I, I was up here. I think I just like went on a lark because it was like the middle of like February, if I remember correctly, or like March when it was released. And I just was like, okay, I'll just go see Escape Room. I haven't really out, heard anything came about out it. in January, and I just completely yeah, like waved it off because it was a PG-13 horror movie, and man, was I wrong. You don't even really see anything that bad in it, but it's the tension that grabs you. Yeah, and it's just, oh, it's just all over the place. It's a movie that I forgot I had seen and then just was thinking about the other day before the before I even heard the new one was coming out, and I was just like, oh, man, like that's a good movie. Like, I would watch more of those. And then, like, yeah. there was a trailer before a YouTube video, and I was like, what's this? And it was like, Escape Room 2, fucker. I do love that it's called Tournament of Champions is the next one. I'm like, fuck, yes, it is. I can't wait to go see this in a theater. I love a, a horror premise that's just like, what if we just skipped to, like, the sixth one? I mean, but is it? Is that what it is? Is that the... Is that I what mean, they're doing with this one? Like Tournament of Champions. Like it feels like what if we just like jumped a couple sequels into like, you know, Jason part six. So like, what if we just went straight to the weird one? <laughs> so the best moment in the movie is at the very end where you get revealed who like kind of like the well, the supposed mastermind is behind it. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there and not less than 24 hours before we sat down and we were just hanging out. And I was like, what do you want to watch? And she's like, I don't know. Put, pick something. So I first put on the game and we watched the game. And then she's like, that was good. And I was like, you want to just continue on a Fincher kick? And we were kind of just rounding out her Fincher knowledge. And then we watched Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And we're both sitting there today watching Escape Room. And all of a sudden I'm looking at the guy who you think is like the guy behind it. I'm like, that's the rapist from Dragon Tattoo. And she's like, oh, my God, it is. And like we're just like, holy shit! That dude should always be just the man, the man behind the curtain, like in every movie, just with that <laughs> accent. 
he should always just be getting fucked up constantly in a movie. Boy, does he get fucked up too. It was great because like the guy spoiler alert if you haven't seen a movie from two years ago that's Fucking whole... <laughs> yeah, Jesus so... Christ <laughs> what Woof. man we spoiled that one quick oh fuck them sorry you didn't see escape room sorry <laughs> get on it what do you want <laughs> I'll bleep it out if you want point being is that happens and I remember like saying like you know that's nice of that guy to like shoot him that I would have made that a closed casket I would have I turned his face into jelly yeah fuck that guy <laughs> fucking where he lives honestly i'm gonna give you a choice for mine mm-hmm. so all three are horror films one is from last year it has a mm-hmm. cult cult following around it another one is arguably terrible and there's another one from the big year of 1990 so it might pop up on our horror of the decade hmm. yes. okay one from last year does it rhyme with schmempty man it does rhyme with Schmempty Man. Okay, let's skip that one because I have not seen that yet, and that's on my list of things to watch before the end of this year because I hear that's really, really good. So let's go with the 1991. Okay, so the 1991 is the Vigo Mortensen starring very <laughs> weird, arguably, to some people, like kind of offensive and terrible, The Reflecting Skin, directed by Philip Ridley. I have no idea what this movie is. It's a weird one. <laughs> it's it is like a southern gothic horror movie that like takes place in like the fifties, I think. Hmm. There's like a woman who one kid thinks is a vampire. There's like this like gang of like kids who drive around and like are really menacing to the main kid who i think his name is duncan frazier is the actor it's just like a lot of like really really weird very like not lynchian but like i definitely don't want to say it's lynchian because it's not but it's like very like american surrealist slice of life stuff but it's made by a crew that's like mostly european canadian and europe and and english and so like one kid there's like this redhead kid who like very clearly is trying to stifle an irish accent and it's hilarious and i can't get i can't get enough of that kick he'll just like walk around a corner like what are you doing and i'm just like okay you're clearly irish like what are you doing in idaho (laughs) and then like there's you know there's other people where i'm just like okay very clearly like you're just like some european person (laughs) trying to do an accent but, like, then also, like, Viggo Mortensen's also, like, really good and menacing and really weird in it. It's a movie that, like, it ended and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I, I just kind of had to sit with it. And I think I like it. I might rewatch it before I put it officially on Wink Wink Nudge Nudge, a list we might do in October. Nerving poster, to say the least. Is it the one where it's, like, a woman and Viggo Mortensen and the kid? It's just a woman and the kid, but she's bending over, and the the tagline reads, "Sometimes terrible things happen quite naturally." And I'm like, "Okay, that's interesting." Yeah, it's a it's a weird movie. It's a good movie. I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm interested. The premise sounds good. I, I mean, I will say, and this might give you a hook. It's on Arrow, and there is a character who has one eye and one hand. <laughs> I mean. You had me at one eye. One hand was the uh, chrome finish on it. Now now I'm all in. I assume on the cake, baby. We watched Children of the Corn, and 
I, I can't even remember why, but she was like, she was like, I'm, I'm afraid this is going to be scary. And about three minutes in, she goes, this isn't scary at all. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, that's what every 1990s and 80s horror movie is. They're all just very ridiculous Out- at this point. Outlander! Your woman lives. Oh God! I just got a still shot of Viggo Mortensen from IMDb's hair. That is that is a choice. <laughs> was he just in horror movies like at the start of his career, and I'm just not aware of this? Was he? Yeah, kind of. Because he's got this, and he's got the other one too. There's another one uh, from some of the Passion of Dark Moon, which fucking whips. I love that movie. Well, and don't forget Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's in that movie. He's in that movie? Yeah, he's really bad in it, too. That, to be fair, everyone's really bad in that movie. He's apparently in an episode of Miami Vice. Oh, God. It's the same year as Reflecting Skin. I don't think that's his fault. I think that's everybody's Oh, fault. yeah. No, no, I don't blame <laughs> I think him. I think that's, I think that's a poor that. script. Well, okay, so the Reflecting Skin. I'm I'm interested. I'd give this a look. And, you know, I think we've... Do you have anything else you want to say on it, I guess? It's on Arrow. I think there was a really good Blu-ray of it put out a few years ago by Echo Bridge. Someone at whatever company is is just yelling into the into their headphones like, It's us, you jackass! You know it is! Um, I film comment, I think, put it out. That's fair. Movement. I think that's the name. Ah, I fucking, I feel so bad. Well, interesting. Okay, so it's been put out. It's got a nice quality. It's on Arrow, so that's got to be the best version you could probably see. It was Mm -hmm. on the Criterion Channel. It's now on Arrow. It was put out. There's a Blu-ray. Fucking Jesus Christ, IMDb, get your shit together. (laughs) I mean, that's that's every day with them. Fucking, I don't know, Echo Bridge, maybe? I don't know. Someone put out a Blu-ray. Maybe Arrow's going to put out a new Blu-ray. They put out the Blu-ray of Passion of the Moon, which is a movie by the same director, and it's also really fucking weird. Hmm. Well, okay then. I would say that would be... I think both of those are pretty high recommendations. I mean, you can definitely say both for Escape Room. I can definitely say yes for Escape Room. However, I would like to include one more thing in our best of the week that I think we need to talk about. Old <laughs> fucking rules. <laughs> hey, yeah, it does. Holy shit was old good. Like, old shot up to number one on my list so far. It's gonna be knocked down, definitely. But, like, man, for right now, I'm like, no movie has made me happier to go to a theater than that movie. I can foresee that old's gonna land at, like, number ten. Like, I'm so? already it's just gonna hang on? I've already swept up the spot. I know it's a perfect leadoff hitter. It's a perfect number ten spot. It really does people, feel It's a movie like it. where, like, most people are gonna see. People have really strong opinions on. I just, it just fucking fits at number 10, and I think that's just where it's going to end up. Yeah, that movie just works from, like, minute one to minute end. And it won't work as well the second time I watch it, but damn, that first experience was just so much fun. I don't know, maybe. Like, the thing is, it's like, I don't know, it could work. Like, it's just really well made. Might be his best movie, like, maybe since Signs. Oh, it's going to stay since The Village, because I really like The Village. I like The Village, too, but I think Signs is just a little above The Village. I also love, like, The Visit was, like, in my top five. The Visit is an underrated movie. That's the movie that brought him back. I honestly believe he does not get split if The Visit does not, like, work no. the way The Visit does. And, I mean, he he's produced all of these movies. But there's definitely, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's definitely a moment in old where you're just like, whoa. Whoa. 
just I'll bleep it out. Which moment is this? It's when the kids. The that's, child dies. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> like I was. Li- I literally like mouth agape. I do love where he's like, no, you have to do it like ten times to make it work, and you're just like, oh, oh, you poor bastard. Oh, oh, you poor little. The guy who plays the grown-up version of that kid is also in Pig, so we had like a double feature with him in one night, uh, and we were just sitting there. We're like, the guy from Pig, what are you doing here? Alex looks from Hereditary. That's right. He is also in Hereditary as well, which she refuses to watch. She, you know what? She is right. I mean, you have your own thoughts on him alone, but like, I, I still, I no, no, Hereditary was good. It might have been the best movie of that year. Huh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> but yeah, I think we can both say like the double stamp of approval. Go see fucking old and see it in a theater before everything shuts down again. I mean, see, well, it's, no, nothing's gonna shut down again. It'd be better not. I have tickets to all out. I know that sounds selfish, but <laughs> I don't give a fuck, man. That's the only thing I want to do this year outside of going to Maine with my lady is go see a wrestling show. That's it. That's all I want. Maine? We're going to Maine, like, for her birthday. We're going to, we rented a little Airbnb and we're just going to kind of do some, like, nature and, like, going outside and, like, just kind of, like, go into, like, some national forests and stuff. We've got a whole bunch of stuff planned. Okay. That's cute. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad it meets the cute approval for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, not many things do. I know. I know. Just mostly your dog. Mostly my dog and my fiance. Well, that's true, and your fiance. That's very true. Okay. Well, speaking of things that aren't cute, but um, do get to the point and never leave you hanging and never leave you feeling empty. What is the first canon movie? <laughs> oh, the first canon movie. I, where do you even begin to explain? It's a movie from 1980 that takes place in 1994. It is the 80s version of the 90s. If the person who was writing it was just so high on cocaine. It's directed by Menheim Golem. It stars Catherine Mary Stewart and a man whose name is not highlighted uh, <laughs> on I'm or on uh, Wikipedia. George Gilmore. Have no idea who that is. A science fiction musical comedy film and a biblical allegory, and is also considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. From 
Take a little chance, get into a trance, and join me in the Apple Dance. Whoa! Go, go! Natural, natural, natural desire Get you higher, higher, higher Let the apple set your soul on fire, fire, fire You'll be hypnotized and you'll be demonized And you'll be paralyzed and you'll be victimized You're fascinated, captivated, losing your mind When we cast the apple eye on you Mystery apple, juju apple, oh voodoo apple, sacred apple, holy apple, trust the apple, yeah, bite the apple, bite the apple, take the apple, whoa, praise the apple, whoa. But while I was watching the Apple, I had the realization that this is a movie that goes from scene to scene to scene where each scene has a has one singular like every scene has a scene on par with Jennifer Jason Lee leaving her fucking locker open in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where like there is just a choice that someone does that is so baffling and infuriating that I fixated on it like the entire time. Anyway. Well, I don't know who wrote one of the worst movies ever made, but they can sit and spin. I kind of like the Apple. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> this movie is dumb, dude. I love it. And, like, Mark kept walking out of his room, because uh, I watched it, like, last Monday, and he kept just walking by, and he goes, so what's happening here? I'm like, it's a musical that was made in 1980, and it's supposed to take place in 1994. He goes, that's not the fashion of 1994. I said, oh, believe me believe me i know and i feel like i feel like the guys that can by the way this is golan who directed this i feel like he was like finally my turn to take to take a step out of the producing and get that much needed directing it's the opposite happens because of this he goes into the the producing chair shit yeah he i mean he does a bunch of more like he, he directs a bunch of other stuff the delta force i think is like the biggest one but he also directs Over the Top. Oh, he does Enter Over the, the Top. Enter the Ninja, which is another okay. with like a Frank with Franco Nero, which is like a man, that, movie's fucking, that movie. That movie's weird. But before this, he did a bunch of like Israeli. There's a couple like sword and sandal films. There's a couple like sort of spaghetti westerns. Operation Thunderbolt, which is like I think Delta Force is just Operation Thunderbolt, like, remade, but with Chuck Norris. They had a movie called The, the Magician of Lubin, which had a, had, a, had a song that was performed by Kate Bush, and it made me stop dead in my fucking tracks reading that. This movie, he was he he thought was going to break him into, into being, like, a Hollywood mainstream director. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. There's a lot of energy in the cinematography. There's a lot of 
attempts at westernization, I would say, it is also just fucking insane. Oh, it's like he saw Tommy and said, got it. I know what a musical is. And like, they're like, excuse me? Like, like there are other ones. He goes, no, no, don't worry. I saw the one that, that we need to look at. No, no, no. I got it. Yeah. So this movie... I'm going to read the description IMDb. In 1994, a young couple enters the world of music industry and subsequently the world of drugs. I do believe that this movie is an allegory for, like, the success and danger that the music industry brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, too, if someone... Uh, wait, till, wait till you hear my elevator pitch for this movie, because, boy, have I got it down. I've been thinking about this for, like, a week. BB and Alpine are the start of this movie, and they are a singing duo who performs at this concert for this record company that's holding it, <laughs> who's run by Mr. Boogaloo. These names are not made up, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Boogaloo, who's played by Valdik Shiliaba and Sheeball? <laughs> I, I, yep, I, that came out of my mouth. Um, uh, Vladik Shibal. He's a Vladik Polish uh, character actor. His, his real name is... And this, I'm, I'm going to try and say this as much as straight face as humanly possible, but it is very long. Vladislaw Rudolf Zsiganu Shibal. And yeah, he's a Polish character actor. He's in a ton of shit. Most notably from Russia with Love. He, he was in a version of Casino Royale. Not the big one. Not the one everyone knows. He's in the remake of The Lady Vanishes. So, hmm. you know character actor he's also in red dawn apparently yeah it does appear that he's in red dawn he slays in this movie he is so Ooh. fucking funny in this movie fucking good oh he's also in canal which is like an important polish film oh there you go at least he got something under his belt that will maybe wipe away the apple for <laughs> i feel everyone in this movie is mildly ashamed they're in this movie to a certain extent you know um, I think the only one that really has like much of a career after this is Catherine Mary Stewart, and she is the fucking star of this movie. She's quite good in this, actually, too. She's like, great. Yeah, yeah. She plays BB. Plays like kind of the innocent, led astray female singer. Yeah, who is just like seduced by the industry as well as almost everything else. And it starts off with her and her boyfriend, Alpine, who are both just trying to make it. And they are brought in by Mr. Boogaloo. And Mr. Boogaloo says, like, I can make you guys famous, but we've got to we've got to change almost everything about you. You know what it is? It's really that lyric from that Pink song. L.A. told you you'd be a pop star. All you have to change is everything you are like. That's that's I'm going to be speaking a lot in lyrics to, to explain this plot to people because. It's fucking confusing. I'm still not sure why it's called The Apple outside of a song called The Apple. Is that a Eve, friend? Is that why it's called that? It's called that because of Adam and Eve. Wow, it's that, is Alan, dumb, Adam Eve that is a dumb That is a dumb decision. <laughs> Boy, we're going to get into many dumb decisions. In oh, movie. oh, oh. The movie, the movie doesn't stop making dumb decisions until you start seeing the credits roll. Like, but all of these dumb decisions keep just like working. Like, you say to yourself, well, he's gotta keep falling down the hill at one point. And no, he just keeps going. Like, another hill just shows up. This has got big Simpsons energy when Homer is trying to crash the car and he rolls out and he hits a rock and gets scooped back into the car. <laughs> 
Now, see, I like to think of it as the Simpsons analogy where the pig is flying through the air and it's like, well, it's just a little wet. It's still good. It's still good. Like, I feel like that was them all the way up to the end of this movie. <laughs> and then as soon um, as the ending arises, you're like, it's gone. And it's like, I know. Uh, I'll donate that money as soon as pigs fly. Would you, would you like to donate that money, sir? I'd rather not. No. <laughs> I'll say this, too. The worst thing about this movie is it's actually pretty well put together for kind of a bad movie. It's it's like it's like bad, but like bad because it's just every every scene has a moment where you're just like, why that choice? Like what? <laughs> like why would you make that choice? It's not bad because it's like slow or boring or like reprehensible, like politically. It's like bad just because you're just like none of this really makes sense. <laughs> It's like yeah. uh, it's like a like a film like it just doesn't really hold together very well. It's like the movie itself. I cut I think two songs at the beginning that would make like the ending make sense. Uh, we'll get to the ending, but it just comes out of fucking. It just comes out of left field, and you're just like, okay, I guess that's how you end the movie. Its other problem lies in the fact too, and I, actually, this isn't even a problem. I will give this actually credit for it. What I love about this movie is they kind of made me think they were going well actually both movies made me think they were going one way and then they don't go that way and i'm like well you fooled me good for you you have the rest of my yeah. attention for this movie because i honestly was like the whole time i'm like well the record company has to be aliens like that's the only thing that makes sense with where this is going <laughs> and then they're just not they're just a fucking like company that just gets everyone to be on their side and forces them to wear those weird stickers i'm gonna try to explain the world as much as humanly possible so you have the main group, which is Bim, and they have a song called, let's scroll down for this one, called Bim. <laughs> so glad you had to scroll down to say the same yes. thing twice. Yes, and they become huge, successful rock stars because they're able to have 150 heartbeats per second. 150 heartbeats per second might be really bad. Yeah, it's it's not great. But, you know, Canon has never bothered to look at the details of what that actually would do. I'm I'm not entirely sure it was, if it's for... It's 100... It's a, it, you get to 150 heartbeats, and they just kind of, like, go like, eh, <laughs> you get it. We don't get it. And you're like, okay, I guess that's good. The song is also kind of just, like, just like a good start to the movie. Like, it feels like a book where you're missing, like, the first five pages, and you're just like, Excuse me, like what? Who? Who is anybody? Do you have names? And then, like, immediately we just get like a ton of exposition where like someone will be like, "Mr. Boogaloo, like this band whose name is Bim is the biggest band in the world." Like, I guess you could argue that the first five pages of the book, in some senses, are missing. But like, at the same time, you know that like they've rigged this contest for like them to do better. And, like, they give you everything you need to know that these other two people, like, ha actually have a sound that people want to hear. Like, I do love that, like, you kind of don't need to know. I mean, I'll say this, too. Bim's assistant, Shake, played by Ray Shell, that dude kills it in every scene he's in. Like, everyone in this yeah. movie is trying their asses off. Like, it almost feels like he sat everyone down the first day and said, there will be an apple, too, if we do this right. And, like, everyone's like, good. I would love to have a second shot. If that. I would love to have a second I, bite I, at the apple. Like, yeah. No, I think it's fun. I think the movie's... I love this movie. I wish it had been as popular as the people who made it thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, because they clearly not. were like, 
Oh no, they were they were swinging for the fences. But it just it just it's so odd. It feels so. This is, I think, kind of the same thing when we were talking about the Last American Virgin, where you're just mm-hmm. like, what happened here? Like, who, where did, who was supposed to translate something and then just like didn't, and so now we're kind of left with this like weird in between bit. <laughs> it's like clearly yeah. like this doesn't really make sense as an American film, but it's like not foreign, and it's just like what ha- what happened here? You're not wrong, because there is that thing with every canon movie, it feels like, that we talk about, where you get to this point where you're like, okay, I think I've got this nailed down. And then when you finally, like, then it just kind of throws you off at one point. It's it's a little bit of both, honestly. Every canon film we've done so far, I think there's just a moment where you just go like, okay, wasn't expecting that. Not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying... I was not expecting it to go that way. And sometimes it's for the better, and sometimes it is not for the better. But this movie, I, oh man, I think this movie rules. The music's fun. The movie's fun. It's just every single moment you're, I'm just kind of questioning. Like, it starts with the titular, like, rags to riches where it's like, okay, they rig the contest so that Ben wins. They put Bim everywhere, but they're also, like, grooming BB and Alfie to kind of be the next big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And they're courting them, they're courting them, and then, like, Alfie sees through it, he sees that they're the devil, like, signing is the literal, the apple, it's the temptation, it's, the, like, it's, you know, like, the poison chalice, essentially. And he balks and he leaves, and so... BB becomes the successful star, and then he becomes, like, the guy writing songs in his bedroom. Very simple story. It just feels like, like I said, like a book where just, like, every other page is just missing. Where you're just like, I don't really have, like, a grip on, like, who any of the, like, people around Mr. Boogaloo are. Like, they're just, like, a freak show side characters. Like, I really, there's, like, nothing else really there. There's a side story where the leads, the second singer in BIM is like not kind of starting to see through the veneer of being like drugged up and like mind controlled and stuff like that. And so you kind of just like the movie feels like overstuffed and understuffed at the same time. Like it's just very mm. thin and rote and you're just like, yeah. And that's also like there's like all of these threads that they kinda want to do, but they want to do it in like eighty minutes. <laughs> and you're just like this movie, don't think about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I spent all my time thinking about it while I was watching it. Don't think about it. You'll have a great you'll have a much better time. It does really feel like, hey you looking over here? No, look over here. You looking over here? No, look over here. Here's my question. What is your favorite song in the movie? I think the Bim song is great, but I think the song that, like, made me laugh the most is Coming. Oh, is that where they're all having sex in synchronized, uh... Um... Oh, yeah, it's the yeah. it's the most subtle song in the whole... In the, I, in, I think, hold on, I gotta look this up. I didn't realize it was called Coming, but you are correct. Honestly, for me, it's How to Be a Master by Boogaloo Shake in the chorus. Like, that is an amazing that's, bit that's... of... Like, in that big building, and you just have all those other talents who aren't going to get picked. Yeah, yeah it's, the it's... How to Be Master song is really good. The Apple song, I would also say. Yeah, the Apple... 
Yeah, title song is pretty strong as well. Here, let me read some lyrics from Coming. the titular song Coming. Uh, this is from this is on Genius Lyrics. Make it harder and harder, faster and faster, and when you think you can't keep it up, I'll make it deeper and deeper, tighter and tighter, and Jesus I'll drain Christ. every drop of your love. Coming, coming for you. Feel me coming. I'm coming for you. Coming for you. Feel me coming. I'm coming just for you. I tried to read that as dryly and as not sexually as possible, but I understand that what I just said is going to be somebody's ringtone and somebody is going to isolate that clip. I mean, I'll say this, like, you had all the sexiness of when William Shatner reads lyrics for his stuff, so don't feel too bad. I mean, that it's just, it's not even subtle what they're trying to do. It is very much also a movie that feels like kind of a metaphor for, like, how music used to be as opposed to what music became, because... Say what you will, this movie does result in like them kind of breaking apart. Alfie and BB <laughs> kind of break break apart at one point. BB is taken into the life, and she kind of becomes this huge solo act. And Alfie is kind of thrown out, and he says, "I'm not going to sign your contract." I think, like, "Well, you're not going to be famous, and you're not going to be around her anymore." And they are still very much into each other, but they're kind of like torn apart. It's a very star-crossed lovers without being star-crossed in some ways. It just like also just makes some fucking baffling choices. Like the song coming, Alfie has sex with Candy and then is like walking around like with his shirt out just breathing heavily, like trying to find BB. It's hilarious. Like that's such a funny scene. It's it's a movie that literally I mean you know that this is a canon movie. When someone is walking home with a thing of groceries and then they stop and say, you don't have your BIM, your BIM sticker on. We're going to give you a ticket. And you're like, oh, they've taken over the world now? Like, this is <laughs> this is what's going on? Yeah. And I, A plus, number one. Oh, yeah. No, it, it works. It works. Uh, it works quite well. It's, oh, my God. It's such a dumb movie. But it's, it's also. So it's great, but it's like it's it. You never lose interest in it. You keep just being like, "What the fuck is this movie gonna do next?" And it just like it like eventually gets to the point to where like Alfie's like, "Well, I can't save BB, so I'm just gonna become a hippie." <laughs> Hippies live in a br- under a bridge. <laughs> they live in the woods. <laughs> they live in the woods. And then she I like quit. too that hippies are treated like like they're hunted. Like it's like an endangered species. <laughs> My favorite thing is that the main hippies, played by Joss Ackland, is just like a subgroup from the 60s. Like, it has to explain what yeah, hippies like, are. Yeah, like, it's almost like they didn't have the rights to say hippie for a while, and they're like, shit, we'll see if we can get the rights to the word hippie. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's a word everyone can say. It's like, I don't know, this guy told me he couldn't. There are some very I, strange decisions with this movie. I know most people probably have not seen The Apple. There's a really good blu-ray of it out there it's on paramount plus i'm giving you the opportunity to stop listening because i want you to experience the ending with virgin ears because i didn't know it was going to happen i'm pretty sure ben didn't know it was going to happen and i don't want you to like go into the like to, to have this spoiled for you but we are going to talk about the ending because it is fucking baffling and i got, didn't get it i like didn't understand what the ending was until i literally like had to like look up I like looked at the movie and I was like, what the fuck? And, and it said it was a biblical allegory. So 
we'll put in like a little timestamp here. I guess back there to talk before we talk about it. Does that sound good? Yeah, that does sound good. So eventually, I guess the best way to put it is gets burned by the torch of reality and wakes up and realizes she wants to be with Alfie and kind of tries to escape and eventually finds him in the woods and is then married by the old hippie to him, which is (laughs) sure, sure, sure. That's that's what you got to do, movie. Sure, sure. <laughs> oh, I thought you were shushing me. I'm like, don't you shush me. They know what they did. Sure, sure, movie, sure. Yeah, you just, you do whatever you feel you gotta do. <laughs> All right. All right, Israeli movie maker. <laughs> Such an interesting choice on their choice. I really am not sure, like, exactly, like, what to say about this movie, just to be like... The studio shows up with all of their people, and, by the way, Shake slaps the shit out of Pandy. (laughs) It's a moment. It's definitely, like, one of those, like, okay, why would you... Why? 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 What did did that person... Why? 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 Why did the movie need this? You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it is that real question of why did the movie need this? And the movie kind of just concludes with them in the park being told she owes us all this money. And, like, all of a sudden, like, God comes down and saves them? Mr. Tops comes down in, um... <laughs> That's a, right! His name a, is Mr. Tops. In a... So, it's the opposite of the ending of Repo Man, where they get abducted. But they do sort of get abducted by Mr. Tops, who is taking them, I believe... It is implied to Earth to start humanity. I'm sorry. Nope. What? Nope. Because he there's a it's a really quick throwaway. It's a very quick throwaway where they go, uh, "Have you found a new planet?" Or, or like he says something about finding a new planet, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Are you are you fucking kidding me?" You know, you know what though? That totally makes up for the whole. It's 1994 and. Like, the fashion makes no sense. Like, the fashion, it, the fashion makes no sense even for the time that they were, like, like envisioning it. I don't know. That they is such a, a lot of sharp angles on, on collars. Like, I feel a like... A lot of sharp angles on collars. It's a very 1978 vision of the fucking 1994. Yeah, it's, it's not what you think 1994 is going to look like. It's not what 1994 looks like at all, honestly. Do you know what this was called? The other title of this was called? No, what was it? Star Rock. <sighs> I like that better than the Apple. I don't know. I think the Apple is just falls in the canon idea of being like, hey, uh, we got the idea for the name of the movie. It's called Star Rock. He goes, no, no, we've already said the Apple, and I've already made the posters. And he goes, you just drew that with Crayon. He goes, yeah, like I said, I made the poster. We're not spending money on someone else making the poster. Real quick, I do want to talk about before we get to like the the questions, uh, there was apparently an alternate version that was released uh, accidentally in 2008. There was a mix-up booking the print for a screening at the silent movie theater in Los Angeles, California. MGN sent over an uninspected reel marked screening print. Presumably, this was the original preview print, as it was included included additional scenes that were cut of the widely released version, including complete coming. And Child of Love musical sequences, which have been truncated in the final print. A simpler entrance for Mr. Tops at the end, instead of exiting from a Rolls Royce, he merely transformed 
than the previously seen Hippie Later, and the closing credits were presented in different font and layout. This version yeah. was screened a few times at the silent movie theater and subsequently ran at Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in August of 2008. Yeah, I kind of like the version I saw, honestly. I think the version that we saw is better. But there apparently was a cut song that explains who the fuck Mr. Tops is. <laughs> well, that's um, good. In an uncut two-song prologue of the film named Paradise Day, Mr. Tops, Joss Ackerman, creates heaven, carves the first human being, Alfie, out of a rock, sending Alfie to Earth to meet Phoebe. Wow, that is just... That, that is, is not even, a part of the movie I watched. That, that, is even, that is even more insane, actually. But also kind of would work in some senses, too. It would make the ending make fucking sense. Like, Yeah, like, yeah, it really, like at least really I'm would, like, wouldn't okay. it? The ending doesn't completely come out of fucking nowhere. Multiple times when he walked out, he'd be like, so how's it going? I said, you know, there's part of me that really, really kind of wants to hate this. But there's also part of me that is just seeing, like, what they were going for and has to kind of respect, like, just their abilities as, a, as, like, fil- as filmmakers. Like, I feel their vision was very clear. They just didn't have all the means to execute it correctly. This movie... It had a $10 million budget. It feels like a movie that probably should have had like a $25, $30 million budget. They um, use every dollar of it, though. It's on screen. Like, I, I can't say it's not. I will say that it does sort of remind me there is a porno film called Things to Come. And it's not spelled the way you think they would, the porno film would spell come, but it's, it's C-O-M-E. And Surprise. it's a sci-fi film. It was released by Agfa. It was released in like a smut without smut version like a truncated version without uh, any of the pornography in it and it feels very similar where it's like what if what would the what if the far off totalitarian future would look like and it's very boxy and a lot of like sharp angles but that's on a much 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 smaller scale and i will say that this used its money a lot better but i would say that's a that would be an interesting double feature for people if they want to have that yeah, that actually sounds like that would fit pretty well with it as well. Man, so what else do we have to say about do we have to say about this movie? Well, first off, what is your elevator pitch for the Apple? Have you seen a Star is Born? What, you're talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I remember seeing a movie like Yeah. It. Yeah, you want to see a worse version of that movie? Like a much worse version, but also deeply more fascinating and you're not 100% sure where it's going to go because I pretty much called The Star is Born from the first 15 minutes. You won't be able to call this movie. It's called The Apple. Oh, you mean you're not talking about the 1979 The Star is Born? No, no, I'm talking about the new one. You know, the one that finally got Lady Gaga an Oscar and Bradley Cooper got to get another Oscar nomination because they just refused to give him one. Yeah, Oscar quote unquote. Hey, she won one for Best Original Song. It's a very well written song. Why am I arguing with you? You're the one in the elevator with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get back in here. You see, you want to see a worse version of A Star is Born, but also a more interesting version? <laughs> it is quite literally a weird version of A Star is Born. Yeah. You want to see A Star is Born on acid? Because that's kind of what I think I wrote about this movie. I'm like, this is A Star is Born on acid. What would you By pair it with? What would I pair it with? Phantom of the Paradise. 
You know what? That's a that's a real that's a really that's a really really good choice. It's a I, really thought good you choice. Would, I thought you would appreciate that. I was watching Brian De Palma's documentary this week, and I was like, oh my god, this and the apple would go so well together. That makes a lot of sense. I guess that leaves ratings. I yeah, I guess so. I'd give this like three. I think this movie is like not the greatest, but at the same time, I'm just deeply interested in it the whole time. Okay, if I'm giving it like a rating based on you know like traditional merits that you grade a movie i don't maybe a three if i'm giving it based on just solely just watchability and how much goddamn fun i had watching this movie alone by myself i'm giving this movie a five make it that what you want somewhere wherever he is hopefully properly entombed and you know they've brought in several things to respect him and pay homage to him roger ebert just turned in his grave like four times you know what but wherever manham golem is He's he's looking down at me. He's giving me a thumbs up. He's, he's saying, "Ah, someone got him." I don't even know. I think even he's like, "Really, a five? Re- really? I mean, like, come on, dude. Like, even I know what that someone movie was." Got it. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's well made or well. No, I'm, it is kind of well made. I'm not oh, saying. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like a perfect movie. I'm not even saying it's a well made movie. What I am saying is that it was a very fun movie to watch. To be sure. To be sure. Not unlike our next movie is a very fun movie to watch. Oh, baby, it's another Albert Pune movie. This one got made fun of on Mystery Science Theater 3000 and is loosely based on the Jules Verne 1864 novel Journey to the Center of the Earth with some minor allusions to The Wizard of Oz. It is the Kathy Ireland starring... Also featuring William R. Moses, Don Michael Paul, and Tom Matthews, aka Tom Matthews, and also featuring Deep Roy, wonderful character actor as Mambino. We have some fun names this fucking episode. The 1988 science fiction film produced once again by Canon, Alien from L.A. Stick your face into the mask provided, and the unit will attempt to improve your looks. Please step on pedal provided. The Delco 1000 has done all it can. Thank you. Step aside. Hey, you look really nice. Brought you something to wear. Looked to me like you needed it. Whoa. Bitchin'. That's really nice of you. Couldn't stand wearing that dress another minute. Your dress is strange. I've never seen material like this before. What is it? It's new? Where are you from? Uh, from out of town. It's dangerous for strangers in Atlantis these days. People get kidnapped. No one ever hears of them again. You should be careful. You're the type that would attract a lot of attention. Be careful. Thanks for us. I'll be downstairs if you need anything. Oh, Dad. 
this. I gotta find you and get us out of here. You are an alien spy sent down by your world to prepare an invasion of Atlantis. There are three absolutes, Professor. I am the law here in Atlantis. You will confess the truth to me, and our worlds will go to war. You will confess, Professor. So we were sitting there watching Alien from L.A., and Mark and I were on the couch. It was probably about Thursday, I think, and we had done about four days of overtime at that point. And Mark looks over at me and he goes, God, if she would take her glasses off, you know she's hot. What are they trying to hide from us? And I was like, yeah, they've got to take them off eventually. It feels like that's going to happen. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. He goes, they have to get them off. And he goes, about five minutes. And I said, yeah, but she can't see. And he goes, I don't know. They'll figure it out. Tomorrow. Five minutes later, she puts her face in that machine and she can just see perfectly. And it's like, yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> no once again this movie did the same thing i'm like okay i know what this movie's gonna be about it's gonna be about an alien who comes to la nope it's about a girl <laughs> who's really kind of nerdy and her boyfriend breaks up with her so she goes to africa to find her father falls down a hole and finds the lost city of atlantis that's right ladies and gentlemen that's the plot of this movie <laughs> ben it's not alien to la i know alien I know. in la it's alien from la Kathy Ireland, who plays Wanda Skanskibbs, she's the alien. It's so funny, like, how annoying she is, and how her entire job is to just say things, and then the camera will look at those things. Yeah. It's great. Prove me wrong! Prove me wrong! That's what she does every single time. Yet you're cheering for the whole movie. A+. plus. So, Kathy Ireland, who is supposed to be unattractive for the first half of this movie, which is a lie. It's it's, hilarious, because it's played by fucking Kathy Ireland. You're like, you're good looking, I know who you are. She's a fucking supermodel. She's a babe. Like, she's an absolute babe, even with those big, dumb Coke bottle glasses. You're like, you're good looking. It's not even like, she's a babe. It's like, she's one of the most famous models in the world. Like, <laughs> the second get the Ireland. Like, what are we doing? What I wrote about it was this. I wrote a fish-out-of-water story as only the studio canon could give us. Hugely imaginative, if not a bit off at times, the plot has some real charm and a style that feels like other movies of higher means and quality may have been inspired by. And I wrote Kathy Ireland as an icon. Like, this movie feels like... I'm not kidding you. That when you The problem with this movie is... The one thing the Apple actually doesn't have. This is why I actually rank it a little higher than the Apple. The movie with this is like, I was annoyed with this movie until she falls down the hole. Once you get to Atlantis, this movie fucking starts destroying from like, until the end. Like, it's great. Because the movie's about like, the movie should have been called How Kathy Ireland Got Her Groove Back in Atlantis. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. Although I don't think that would sell as well as Alien from LA. I think the poster do be lying a little bit because it's like a very pretty Kathy Ireland with like some sort of weapon or like a flashlight. Like you got a flashlight on a backpack and she's wearing a crop top and jeans. That that she does not look like that at all in this movie. She's a pipsqueaky nerd with an annoying voice, which I will admit 
she digs into that voice. Oh, yeah. No, no. Like, they, like, someone told her, hey, you gotta be kind of irritating in this movie. And she's like, got it. She plays a teenager, even though she's in her mid-twenties. She's, it makes sense why she was cast in this movie. I think she has a wonderful performance in this movie. But it makes sense why she was cast. It's because she's so tall and the sets are so small. Well, and that's kind of the recurring joke in this movie is that, like, everyone in Atlantis is a lot smaller and she's just kind of like this gargantuan figure amongst them. Yeah, she's just this giant. I mean, she's, like, my height. She's, like, 5'10". And everyone else is just so little. It's so... I don't know. This movie... What I like about this movie is it feels like there's just moments where it's just like, look at this cool little world we made. You know what I mean? Oh, it's it's an amazingly well-designed set, like, in the second part of this movie. When you get to Atlantis, you're sitting there and you're like, man, like, I wouldn't be surprised if George Miller saw this movie and, like, pulled some stuff for whatever Mad Max he was doing next. Like, there's a couple other movies that remind me of this. Actually, the thing that it reminds me of, I was sitting there and I was like, so the Mario Brothers just ripped this set off and took it for their movie, right? A little bit. A little bit. It looks like the Mario Brothers set, it, for Christ's sakes. It feels a lot... It also kind of feels like, like the Mario Brothers movie, where it's just like this madcap chase through this, like, world that you don't really know very well. That's not, I think in the Mario movie, doesn't don't they get sucked into it? I think it's kind of the same, yeah. I think it's like it's a world, like, beneath ours or, like, on the other side of ours or something. All right, guys who made Max Headroom, you got some explaining to do. So... Kathy Ireland is this girl, and she gets dumped by her boyfriend for not being quote-unquote adventurous enough, I guess? We all know what that's code for, right? I think we do. It means that she's some sort of stick-in-the-mud, stay-at-home Debbie. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Yes. She does not like to do... (laughs) I was gonna say, she doesn't like to do things, but, like, that's kind of correct. She doesn't like to go out or have fun or, you know, be a young person in the world if you guys yeah. are asking yourself what does she sound like think harley quinn's voice minus the new york accent and you're pretty much there she kind of sounds like this pretty off-putting <laughs> i will say it was very funny i had i was on a time crunch i'd already seen this movie this is a movie i had already seen before so don't be mad at me haters but i was on a time crunch so i put this movie to like one and a half speed and let me tell you, if you think her voice is annoying normal, oh boy, it can get up there quick. Yeah, it's very true. And after she's dumped, she gets a letter saying your father has been lost in Africa. He's a, a an archaeologist, I guess, which not, is just... Not lost. He is dead. He fell Oh, he's dead. He's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And you're like, well, okay, I guess that's the end of that. And then she goes to Africa and tries to find him. And she also founds out in the bottomless hole. And it turns out... Not a bottomless hole. Gateway to another world. My favorite thing is that they found a bottomless hole, and instead of being like, what the fuck is down here? They were just like, nah, it's bottomless. <laughs> like, no way, no way to figure out what's down there. No, don't even bother looking into it. Sir, you sure, sir? I mean, we could we could definitely drop something down it. And he goes, nah, don't uh, worry about it. He's dead. He's, he's, he's de- he must be dead. And she finds this place, and she first comes across a miner named gus who's played by william r moses well and his name isn't gus it's like his nickname is gus he like gives his full name it's fucking dumb 
It's not it's Goon yeah. Edway. Yeah, and she saves him from being murdered by two other guys for I don't know something. You never really find out why. And she tells him, I mean, the whole movie is her looking for her father. Like the whole premise of this movie is once she finds her father, she can go home because that's what she's there for. Yeah. I mean, and also maybe to find herself. Ooh, getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it's very true. So she like gets to Atlantis. He brings her there and she's kind of blown away with all of it. They take her and she's kind of wanted by the government because the government has her father and they think, okay, they're going to make us like if if the top world finds out about us, they're going to come down here, take over and they're going to make us slaves. And half the government says that's totally going to happen. The other half's like, no, they're not like the humans are not like that. Like they're not going to do that to us. But you kind of get this like war hockey feeling from one of the uh, Atlanteans. Where it's like, no, we must go to war. And it's like, mm, you've got a, you got a thing. Like, you really just want to, you got like a toy that you want to like shoot at someone. Yeah. Like, you really just want to kind of start a war. For well, what weapon have you been developing? What weapon have you been exactly. developing that you, that you want to play with? Because clearly. Hey, hey, Dick Cheney. Like, what are you going to, you going to, you going to build houses up there? You going to, you going to, going to appoint yourself VP? Huh? <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's more Dixie Cheney with that one-eyed lady. Got him. Yeah, and... <laughs> sorry, yeah, right. sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to burn Dick Cheney on this podcast. I didn't realize you were such good friends with him. <laughs> I don't know why I no-sold that one so hard, but I just thought it would be funny. <laughs> you really, you really did. You really, really, really screwed me. I really... That. Yeah, I really occasionally just like to do the Samoa Joe pretending to not, like, just walking away from a from a moonsault. So this is the second movie that we have now talked about from the guy who did Nemesis. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you something. He's two for two. He is two for two. This, yeah. I'm, I'm getting... I mean, I'm getting I mean this is not the... Over here. This is not the grand slam that Nemesis is, to be sure. But this is a solid triple in my eyes. This isn't the walk-off home run that nemesis was this i mean he busted the guts out of that ball like in oh in yeah nemesis. no it's it's like a walk-off home run where you're just like cool so i you i'm it's one of it's one of those weird movies where you're just like okay so this guy just i just bought like seven tickets to whatever this guy has done you know what i mean oh, like this, I'm, is, this is one of them yeah like you know what like if dangerously close doesn't hit you know what i still got cyborg and if that doesn't hit i still got like his Captain America. <laughs> I've seen that no, movie too, I'm and I'll tell you, I'm I'll tell sorry. you, man. No, I'll tell you, man. Six-year-old Ben liked that movie a lot. <laughs> I don't know how twenty, I, or I don't know how almost thirty-four-year-old Ben feels about that movie, but six-year-old Ben was into that movie when he had to, when he had to stay home after like a, after like a small medical procedure when he was little. He saw that I, and Masters you know, of the Universe in the same day, and he was like, "This is never going to get better." Cannot get better than this moment. Is I, the, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like American it, movie, a canon movie. Yes. yes. Oh fuck, man! We might have to do that in the future. I think it's like one of the last canon movies. Dang, that's impressive. Yeah, I think. I think it. Yeah, I think it is. I'm gonna have to look that up later. 
So she's going along and she gets there and they, they give her some new clothes. And man, Mark called it like five minutes too early. They put her face in a box and it fixes her eyesight and also, you know, blows her hair back and makes her look like Kathy Ireland. And you're like, well, there you are. I knew you were there the whole there time. There we go. They, yeah. The thing is, the movie couldn't make, couldn't be like, well, she can't be Kathy Ireland for like the whole movie. Like eventually we gotta, eventually she's gotta be Kathy Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Kathy Ireland. We gotta, gotta do what it says on the tin, you know? Yeah, like we can't, we can't not show Kathy Ireland. What are we paying her for at this point? And it's at this point, like, there's kind of a message sent out to the city saying like, hey, there's this very tall woman there who's a lot taller than everyone. You guys need to find her. And if you do, we'll give you money for it. It becomes kind of a game of like who can find her first. And the person who finds her is this person named Shank. And I don't know who plays Shank, but my God, is that person just like eating every ham sandwich on set. She brought the whole fucking pig, dog. It's like, it's all ham all the time. I so, mean, and- uh, answer... <laughs> To answer your question, Captain America is not a canon mm. film. It was a 21st Century Film Corporation presents in association with Marvel Entertainment Group Incorporated. Dang. Dang. Uh, 1989 oh. is kind of when canon ends. We'll, we'll talk about this. Do you know that the person who plays Shank also plays the one-eyed woman? Oh, wow, really? Yeah, she has multiple roles. That's fucking great. Yeah, it almost feels like they didn't have enough actors. No, they there's a bunch of people who have like multiple roles. Auntie Pearl plays someone. There's a couple people that play like that. They're doing double duty here. And I mean, I'll say this: that woman who plays Shank. So they get to this club, and Gus agrees to help her find her father, and he'll get her out of there because she saved his life. And she gets kind of dragged off by Shank and brought to Mabino who is the only other person eating more ham in this movie, and that's Deep Roy, who fucking kills. I'm not saying he's eating ham in a bad way. Like, that dude's just over the top in the best way. Like, he might be, like, the thing where you're like, oh, every single villain should just try to do what this guy does. Yes. Deep Roy, for, like, the few seconds that he's on screen, fucking murders in this movie. He's also like weird eye things? Weird eye things. Like, there's, like, just like interesting like makeup choices and the movie the whole works. movie's an interesting choice honestly on their part mm-hmm. it was an interesting yeah, no, choice to make it yep what a weird movie not weird in yeah. a bad way we're in a really good way but also feels like kind of well made and uh, once again with like the set design in it like all of it feels like really well like thought out yeah it's just it just feels like the one thing, once again, not unlike the Apple, the one thing they didn't think about was the plot. This movie kind of has what you can see if you look through Indian's filmography is movies that either have, like, the plot, like, really well laid out, but just, like, don't have the budget to kind of pull it off, like, Nemesis or Dollman or Cyborg, where you just kind of, like, well, I don't know if Cyborg, actually, or Radioactive Dreams. That's another movie. That were like the plot is like very rigidly like some like really interesting set piece stuff in it, but it's just we're, we're dealing with like a low budget movie, so you can't really pull off everything that like the that the that the plot kind of has set out for it. And then you have movies like this where the plot is so bare bones and you know thin 
that they're just like, no, this, this is just an excuse to you know make a really cool set. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know I mean? But they, but I mean, man, do they do a good job with it? Oh, it, and it looks so good. I'm so glad that the Vinegar Syndrome release came out did like a couple like a couple of weeks ago and it looks so good it really really does and man like i don't know it's a movie that makes you want to believe like they could still make movies like honestly i'll say this you give me emma stone and a hundred million dollars i know that's a lot of money to ask for if i could remake this movie and i could do it better like <laughs> I don't know if you, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not better, but I think I, I think I could flush out the plot because, like I said, its only real problem is that the plot is just a little lacking in some places. I don't know, but the movie the movie moves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I mean, it's all what, you really need. Minutes? It's God, it's not long at all. And that's like the six of those minutes are credits. Minus love streams, it's that's the only movie of canons that doesn't feel like it's like it's not moving at like a pace to try to get done as quick as it can. <laughs> well, love streams is trying to get done as quick as it can, but the problem is, is that movie has like two hours and thirty minutes that it wants to get wants to tell you. <laughs> well, that's very true, but yeah, love streams. The only canon movie where you're like, wait, this is part of canon? Are you sure? There's a couple, Otello, a few others where you're just like, what? Canon release what now? In this movie? Are you... Him? Yeah. Listen, Gollum, he was a movie, he loved movies, he was a movie snob, and so he would just be like, blank check, make whatever you want, and then they would oh, come back yeah, and go, um, this movie's gonna make $4 at the box office, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you can tell. You can absolutely tell that that's what this is. This is definitely more of, Canon is gonna give you a million dollars to make whatever you want. It just has to have a name and be marked and like a good name, like a good, like a good poster and, and we'll sell it. And Say what you will. You if you saw at, that poster, you'd go, I think. I would. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I'm, I've already bought a ticket in 1987. Like, you know, like there's a bunch like runaway train, just seeing the, like the fucking poster to that or like street smart. Like, I'm like, fuck yeah. I've already bought a ticket to it. For better or worse. Yeah, that is just kind of what it is. Did you know that this Mr. Albert Pyun has a autobiography? Uh, or has a has a biography? Uh, has a biography? No, what is it? Send me the it's, name of that. so I It's can called Radioactive it. Dreams, the Cinema of Albert Pyun. And it appears to be, I'm going to read you the description of this. Albert Pyun is the writer and director best known for The Sword and the Sorcerer, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Cyborg, and Canon's infamous Captain America. Well, that's weird. It does say Captain America was part of Canon. Maybe that's incorrect. Uh, it, it's not listed, but, but you know, it, maybe it is. But did you also know that he mentored Toshiro Mifune, that he secretly made a feature film on the set of Cyborg in a single weekend, and directed three pictures that starred Snoop Dogg and Ice-T in an ex-communist country? And that was on the front lines of studio going bankrupt, the straight-to-video market exploding, and the collapse of the entire industry. Like, this sounds like a fascinating book to hear, or a book to read. Uh, how much is that book, Ben? That book is $15 on Amazon, my man, for paperback. Alright, guess what? I'm gonna buy, the, I'm gonna spend $15 on that book when I get paid this weekend. And you know what? I'm just gonna send you, when you can look at it afterwards, the cover of it sells itself. 
<laughs> you know what? Just the just the description sells sells itself. I am gonna watch this guy all of his man's movies. I think. I'm like I'm kind of myself. I'm kind of myself curious as well to see what is this. He does not look what I thought he would look like. Also, nope. He is a very large, I believe, Hawaiian man. No, he's very small in height, but he's like he's. He's very small in height, actually. He's very small, but like kind of rotund. Yes, yes, he is. That's definitely He's a way to look at it. Yeah, I love him. Oh, I can't wait to figure out like what, like to crack more of his movies open and just kind of see what's <laughs> just a picture of him just staring at Captain America. That might be the cutest photo I've ever seen because he looks so pleased. He's like, finally, I'm doing one for me. The rest of these weren't for me, but this one is. But like, he also did like Cyborg. And like Dollman and Nemesis fucking whips. I mean, like, we, unironically, we about, I think oh. Nemesis is like one of my favorite movies I've watched this year. That movie fucking owns. Oh, dude, I love Nemesis. Like, I'm so excited to see this motherfucker's still alive. Yeah, this motherfucker's still alive. How do we get this guy? I mean, let's also not say that he also directed Nemesis like two through five, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he godfathered all the Nemesis movies. So she gets there, and it's kind of just a movie of everyone trying to grab a hold of her, and she eventually gets to her father, and, I mean, you could argue that's where the movie, she kind of becomes herself and, like, kind of figures out, oh, like, do you have any problems with this movie? Because I have one problem. What was the problem in uh, Alien from L.A.? My biggest problem from Alien from L.A. is the whole movie, they are setting you up to think that Gus is going to be the guy who she is going to be with. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Charmin just shows up, and you're like, okay, I guess it's him now. Like, I guess Gus is out. I guess Gus well, has been friend-zoned. Gus has a girlfriend. I know, but you think that's kind of over halfway through. Like, you're like, okay, I guess that's you over. Do, but you kind of also, like, they kind of, like, the resolution of that kind of also makes you think, like, maybe there's a chance for them to get back together, or, like, they're gonna, like, have a talk or something. I... I guess I just ship, I guess I just ship Gus and her. You know what? You can. I think that's Oh, yeah. Cute. But I believe this guy's in, I believe that guy's in Mystic Pizza. Which he guy? plays like the shitty teacher in Mystic Pizza. The guy who plays Gus. Is that right? Yeah, he's in Mystic Pizza. I think he plays like the older guy that goes out with uh, Julia Roberts' character. Interesting. Am I wrong? Well, well luckily, I'm, I mean... Let's see. Hold on, I'm gonna look. Stop being slow. I know he's in Mystic Pizza. I just can't uh, yes, he, he is Tim. He is Tim. A movie I've never seen. Mystic Pizza, good movie. Really good movie. Yes. Well, yeah. That's you know, pretty though, good. You know, though, it kind of makes sense, though, that it kind of makes sense, though, that like they they use Charmin to get with her because. I mean, if you guys didn't know this guy was a powerhouse from a couple weeks ago, you'll know it in this movie, because this is also the guy who plays Tommy in Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. <sighs> oh and, my god! And is also in the movie The Return of the Living Dead. He plays Freddy. He's, he, yeah. Uh, he returns as Freddy in the second one. Um, I love this guy. I can't believe I just like straight up did not recognize him. Well, he's very heavily covered up with like weird like futury clothing. Oh yeah. Oh my god. We gotta watch. We gotta watch Return of the Living Dead. 
oh, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Not we can do that on October anytime. I think that's happening in October. I yeah, also find, think find a Giallo movie do... that fits with that. Okay, I've already done it in my head. It's not a Giallo Perfect. movie, but it is Italian. That'll do. That'll do. Well, I mean, I guess we get to the end. She and her father make it to the surface, and the guy who's on the council who says the Earthlings or the the top people will not attack us, who looks a lot like Jared Leto from Blade Runner 2049 for some reason, punches out the one-eyed general. He does. Prove me wrong. Like, tell me that's not Jared Leto in the past. And punches out her and says, yeah, just don't come back down here. Make sure, make sure no one finds us. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And she kind of got her groove back and she's back in LA and her boyfriend's like, Hey, you're all fixed up now. You're better. And she's like, yeah, it looks like you missed out. And she kind of walks away. And then Charmin just shows up or someone who looks like Charmin. And yeah, that's kind of how the movie ends. Well, they have like a thing. They have a saying. What, what, what is, uh, what is it? It's, uh, another time, another place. Say, yeah. And then he says another time in that place, and you're like, oh, right, I cue that thing. And then she says, <laughs> her best line delivered in the movie, whoa, bitch and left hook, Carassus. I love that. That is a bad... <laughs> Kathy Irons saying bitching. The first question is, what is your elevator pitch for Alien from L.A.? You ever... You ever seen a movie that confuses you for like 15 minutes and then you're kind of just like glad you watched it? That's kind of what this movie's going to be for you. Watch Alien from L.A. It's a great little snapshot of what it was like when you could just take a really beautiful, famous person and kind of work a movie around them. Doesn't always work, but man at times does it really try. It gets there. Yeah, eventually it does. Much like this elevator. Yes. <laughs> What a dumb bit I'm doing. Anyway, what movie would you pair this with? You know, I think I might honestly pair this with, like, just to give you, like, a better example of a movie that kind of does this, like, almost, like, kind of, like, one, not location necessarily, but kind of, like, stuck in one place. I might have paired this with Escape from New York. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, right? Yeah, that works. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I thought about both of these this week. I was like, what would I put these with? But yeah, it works. Yeah, I agree. I think both of those would play. What do you give this? That's a solid question. I think I give this three and a half bordering on four stars. I, I give this three myself. This is, this is one. I think Canon's just almost. I'm waiting for the canon movie that doesn't, like, just get three almost off the bat. Because all of them just seem like they're just <laughs> set up to be threes. I mean, there's some, like, Delta Force where, like, I, I, I'm i a Delta Force apologist. Where I'm like, yeah, that movie's, like, a four. <laughs> or, like, over yeah. the time, like, yeah, that movie's, like, a four. Because it's fucking ridiculous. And I love it. Well, I have not seen Delta Force, so maybe one of these days we'll have to watch that. Or Bloodstreams. This is a John Cassavetti movie. So oh, that's true. That's true. Four and a half. Yeah, Love Streams actually was a higher, but that movie's just, like, an anomaly amongst canon. Yeah. It's a Cassavetes, you know? Hey, yeah, Cassavetes, exactly. baby, what are you doing? The Neo of, of the canon movies. It's just like, you're just like, you're just like, you're just like, what the fuck is this? It's like, all I, I swear to God, it would be so great if we could superimpose just a shot of Love Streams on the computer when Trinity and Morpheus are looking at the screen, and she goes, what's happening? He goes, he's starting to believe. You're just like, you're just like, that's, that's, that's that movie. It's just John Cassavetes going, whoa. 
Oh. I know. Kung Fu. Gong. That's still my favorite moment in all of, the, like, any movie. What's that? Ever, I think. Is when Neo goes, I know Kung Fu. He goes, whoa, oh, and, I know Kung Fu. And then, and then you have, like, goes, a gong happen. And yeah. then they, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, a, and then a gong. That you're forgetting the most important part. No, There's no, the gong, gong is noise. the gong is the gong is hugely the gong is hugely important. For it's me, very important. For me, honestly, I think my favorite part in any Matrix movie falls between two parts. It's the moment where he finally realizes who he is, and then the three agents just attempt to shoot him, and he just turns and goes no, and just stops the bullets. Or the other moment is in Matrix Two, where the three the two agents break down the door. And they go, it's him, the anomaly. And they all share, like, one sentence together between the three of them. It's so beautifully handled. Like, it's uh, really Yeah. I also uh, love the, the, the truck yeah. fight. You know what I'm talking about, the 18-wheeler fight? Oh, yeah. That oh, shit like the, still rules. Oh, the, the biggest problem with Matrix 2 and 3 is that Matrix 2 is the part of the wrestling move where it does all the cool flippy shit in the air. It's just when it lands in Matrix 3, it shatters both of its kneecaps. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so bad. And then you're like, well, there's no way they'll ever make it up to us. And then they told me Matrix 4 this year. And I'm like, well, okay, let's see where we go. I gotta, I gotta like Matrix 3. I like parts of it. I don't like the whole thing. I gotta like it. This is coming from a person that is unapologetically a garbage human who loves garbage. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Not true. That that's, that's not true you you like a lot of high quality movies that's true but i also love garbage <laughs> yeah that's that is true that is true um we were laying in bed last night and we were kind of just talking about certain things and at one point i said to her i said what's the worst movie i've shown you she goes whatever that bullshit japanese movie about being in love is from tyler that's the worst movie you've ever shown me <laughs> he's laughing maniacally at that yeah, she she fully believes like someone in love is still a movie. It might be my least favorite movie. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm an evil villain. Somewhere Abbas Kurosami's like fucking nailed it. It's exactly yeah. what I wanted. Big up yeah. to Abbas. Yeah. Well, not up to Abbas for next week, but what are we doing next week? Then next week I have tasked you with pairing two British kitchen sink movies. Well, I typed that into Google because I don't know what that means. And next week you're going to explain to us what that means. Or you know what? Hell, why wait till next week? What does British kitchen sink movie mean? Form of realism that that started spinning out of British theater in the 50s and then eventually became a form of cinematic storytelling through the 60s up until modern day some of the prominent figures is like who's the guy who made kez Han- ken loach ken loach hand that shakes the barley and i daniel blake and he's still in the 40s and like tony richardson and there's a couple other people but it was really popular in the 60s it's like a just like a basically like the biggest form of cinema that like england has produced up until this point realistic a lower budget kind of indie films about the british working class not indie because they're produced by the bfi but you know like they feel indie to us now well i typed that in and i took the two that i could find and i don't know anything about these movies dude and i don't know if you do so i know they're both available in places where we can see them pretty easily and the first one is a movie from 1959 
and it's directed by Jack Clayton, and it's a little movie called Room at the Top. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay, have you seen it? Nope, but I've okay, heard of it. One for one. And the next movie follows a couple years later. It's 1963. It's directed by John Schlesinger, so I think we're in pretty good hands there, and it's called oh, Billy right. Liar. <gasps> Billy Liar, I've been meaning to watch Billy Liar. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see if that's any good. Both of them look interesting. And you said Kez, that was literally above it, so that was pretty easy to click on. I did not yeah. know who the director of Kez was right off the top of my head. I, I saw that right above. I was like, well, I should just probably click on it. Well, I was going to start listing other movies that I did, like uh, I, Daniel Blake, and The Hand of Shakes of Barley, or The One of Shakes of Barley. You you could He's have named one. every movie he'd done, and I would have still not known. Sorry, we missed you. Uh, there's a couple others. He won two. He's won two Palm Doors. Do you know that? Good for, good for that guy, Ken Loach. Anyway, Ken Loach. He won so, one for I Daniel Blake, and he won for one for the hand, the hand that shakes the barley. Is it the win, the win that shakes, shakes the barley? The win that shakes the barley. Okay, the I was like, I was like, there are two movies that are that similar in name. That's wild. I I get it confused with the hand that rocks the cradle. Anyway, my no, laptop on red, so we need to GTF. <laughs> So for next week, we have Room at the Top, and we have Billy Liar, two British kids and sing dramas. I'll find out what those are and hopefully be able to say British kitchen sink dramas. And you can always follow us at TWGTF Pod on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic and at Movie Loving Lucha 87. I'm not on either of those looking at them, but you can still follow me there. Tyler, is there one that can follow you? They can follow me. It's an under, it's a big bottomless pit. We will find Atlantis. There you go. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've of course been your host, Ben. I'm Mr. Boogaloo. And remember, guys, if you come to our video store and you see a giant hole in the ground, well, maybe jump in. Perhaps you'll get to find the lost city of Atlantis. These are the children of the 60s, commonly known as hippies. Talking, talking.